0: the mysteries of gravity falls creep into the non-animated world this is the gravity bros podcast and this is ali fresh here for some sick beats oh god i hate him already (laughs) do you hate him as much as dipper hates dippy fresh no probably not his hatred seemed pretty unbound yeah honestly i don't know if i've seen dipper ever hate anybody or anything that much in the course of no pretty justified too if you ask me Yeah, we'll get into all of that, because it is time for part two of Weird Weirdmageddon, and we are going to jump right in, because it is another banger of an episode with a lot to talk about. Is it? I actually didn't have the same takeaway. Really? Okay, well, you know what's interesting? I think we talked about this last time, where these last four episodes, or three episodes, if you don't count the last two as separate, uh... They have a lot in there, but maybe not as many like, things ripe for discussion that you and I may uh, typically have. But sometimes I feel like we are finding things because episodes are less interesting than this. And then when they get really chaotic, we just need to make sure to cover it all. I think there is some stuff to talk about. I, I think that there's a couple interesting like conversation topics in here. But in all honesty, I feel like the summary of this episode could be wrapped up real quickly. Really? You know what I mean? I- Wait, that's not a knock against it. Did you not like the episode? Is that what you're implying? Um, you know, on rewatch, I actually would not probably put this in my top favorites, no. Wow, that's so interesting because I had the takeaway of, wow, this episode is awesome uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, That's funny. That's going to play into the conversation topic I'm expecting us to have. Okay, very good. Well, then let's get into it. Uh it may be part two, but it is day four canonically of Weird Mageddon in Gravity Falls, as yes. a mailbox eats a squirrel, the giant Gravity Falls goat chews on giant rubble from all of the apocalypse <laughs> debris, and yes. a humanoid Cthulhu lurks largely in the background. Well summarized. Oh, I'm I did you choose a cryptid for today? Uh I hadn't, but do you think Cthulhu is the one? Well, I mean that one was just written by HG Wells. I I think that one or not HG Wells. Um, um I, no, gosh, I can't I know remember his name anymore. The guy who wrote the Necronomicon. You, no, he's uh oh my was god. Was it HG Wells? I don't think no, it, it was. It no, wasn't. no, no. This it wasn't. is going to kill me. I know. I just I read see. an HG Wells book. That's why I say that. No, I we absolutely know who this is. By the end, we totally. have to make sure to remember. Anyway. <laughs> I'll, remember. I'll remember it by oh, the end. Lovecraft. Thank, Thank you, H.P. Lovecraft. Lovecraft. Uh, who, by the way, the idea of Cthulhu came to him in his dreams, which could be a That's way crazy. that we may be <laughs> able to discuss uh, Cthulhu in um, in the form of Journal 4 later. But uh, we see Wendy's dad uh, trying to make a triangle stop sign for Bill Cipher in hopes that perhaps that will appease him. but. Yes. Alas, he gets turned to stone by an iBat anyway, and so does the salesman who sold Mabel her pig. And the salesman gives us a great line that actually has heavy existentialism themes where he's like, oh, well, maybe if we do this, it'll appease our new ruler like assuming they're like the god you know the the new god that you must adapt to in this world yeah um and actually the the and at first i was like wow is this intentionally super existentialist and i wasn't quite sure and then the ending happened which we'll talk about too which directly quotes uh john paul sartre which i'm really excited to talk about um that was the funniest thing in the world to me i don't want to get too far ahead sartre was (laughs) one of my favorite philosophers that i read in college actually Incredible. Uh, I, I was thinking during that time, did they just quote a philosopher at random? Lou is gonna have a field day with this. No, well, and, and the way that it starts is funny, right? Because a lot of uh, a, a, a good, interesting part of existentialism is that um, you can't really there's there's the commentary of any att- any attempt at appeasing some sort of perceived god is uh, pretty much a pipe dream because you're just throwing your whim to the sky and you really have no idea. So you're kind of just guessing on anything. Okay. That, okay, so... The, <laughs> and, boy. you know, like, oh, you well, don't... I mean, our God's a triangle looking. Maybe if we make a triangle, they'll be happy. You know what I mean? It's like people wearing crosses thinking Jesus wouldn't be traumatized by seeing the thing that killed him. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm i feeling like we're walking a line here. Uh <laughs> so i, I i'm not I, saying i don't have my beliefs i'm, I'm just saying that's what the sh- the, the commentary in existentialism is okay i can understand that and which i agree I, with <laughs> well it is true that <clears throat> they are kind of doing this in hopes that maybe this is what our new god wants and there's definitely yeah. some commentary in that it doesn't work obviously because they are smited immediately yes uh, just like reality sorry yeah. <laughs> meanwhile god and his gang are having a rave Yeah! That's my god. God being Bill Cipher, who has been having fun turning Gravity Falls inside and out and rounding up its terrified citizens and stuffing them into a massive throne of frozen human agony. Uh, And we just see this throne that is made up of all of these frozen statues that he's created from the different townspeople. Um, And he says, it's fine, they're probably not conscious anymore, right before Lazy Susan turns back to life just for a second has a moment to breathe before turning back into stone it's pretty yeah messed up. it seems like they're not that conscious in my opinion right uh, most of the time I, but even when she comes back she's clearly delirious like she, yeah what's going yeah on. so i mean hey moral points to uh to bill cypher because he could just have them fully awaken and, and actually in. he called it the throne of agony but for an entire like row of people that's unconscious it's actually not not great advertising. Clearly, Uh, his greatest sin. I guess so. Uh, Bill (laughs) says that Gravity Falls is just the beginning, and now it's time to take the chaos worldwide. So he opens up a portal uh, meant to go from Gravity Falls to the rest of the world, I guess. And uh, as he opens it, it turns out that his henchmen are somehow blocked from entering. And we zoom out. He sees a dome around the rift. So... At this moment, he's realizing, okay, maybe this is actually more complicated than I thought. And you actually get the first glimpse in a while that Bill is kind of a little bit nervous. I'd say he's at least tilted. He's like, God, why can't I get out of here? I I did everything right. Yeah. He looks at a statue on his his desk and he's like, you know, I think I might know how to uh, fix this thing. Uh, Setting us up really well for the next episode, because we don't talk about that again for the entire duration of this one. Uh, Yeah, I guess not to the degree that we will next time. Uh, Even We do see them again. Yeah, we see them one time. Theme song plays, and it's still the uh, altered theme song, which I believe is probably true for the remaining of the episodes of the series. Yep. Uh, and Dipper, Seuss, and Wendy have entered the prison bubble that is holding Mabel that we talked about at the end of the last episode. Yes. Um, They walk through this white room, and Dipper says, the first step to stopping Bill is getting Mabel back, but we don't know where we are. A little bit of exposition there for you to remind the audience. Yeah. Uh, The ground cracks all of a sudden, and they fall into a psychedelic wonderland. Yeah, I guess you can call it that man lou is left disappointed we actually aren't immediately there because first we have a scene where seuss kind of holds on to dipper and wendy and is like uh oh that's right he he says uh he wants to die hugging and i wrote so i guess this is the real rave wow because you die hugging well just if i'm going to die i want to die hugging people that's fair Uh,
1: (laughs) the cuddle puddles
0: are real He holds Dipper and Wendy to shield them from the fall, but they land on a bouncy castle first. Then they hear some 80s music. Then the air smells like childlike wonder. And then they peek behind a wall and they see this psychedelic paradise that is from Mabel's mind. I don't think it's very psychedelic. (laughs) Okay, actually, I'm happy to rephrase it. Uh... it 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 more just looks like it looks like a kid's imagination they do a good job just making it look like uh i it looks it i i don't mean to be it looks like a psychedelic paradise for people who've never known what that was actually like before okay which would make sense for mabel i guess no it doesn't because we've seen her have an actual psychedelic trip in the show But one of the characters that she met in that psychedelic trip, who I think was Hiroshima, a big dolphin with arms, shows up in her world. Okay, I didn't notice that. That's hilarious. (laughs) Point one, Alec. (laughs) 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 No, actually, I kind of agree with you. I do. And I I like it, for for the record. I don't think that... I hope you don't find it disappointing that it's not... A psychedelic nightmare. I mean, they could have gone a little harder. I, it's not a nightmare, God. I don't want. I mean, like it turns into a nightmare towards the end. I'd say that's the most psychedelic it actually gets. Um, okay. But it's it's not like a nice psychedelic dream. It's just more like a kid's playpen. You know, cool, it looks like it I- looks like a kid's like it looks like if a kid was a really good animator, it would look like their homework. <laughs> Yeah, and again, I really think that's fun. I feel like this, it caps or it captures Mabel really well as a character. Like, this is what her world would look like. Yeah, I don't think it's, like, bad on the choice of the show or the creators. But I guess, I haven't seen the show in a minute. And when I went into this, I'm like, oh, this is the trippiest episode. And then I watched it, I'm like, eh, actually, no, it's not. All right, fair enough. And so, I, okay, that's so just it's me. an expectation thing for you. Whereas I'm like, man, I remember this being trippy. Oh, thank God. This is just a kid's imagination. I love this. You don't like trippy things? Have you ever seen Yellow Submarine? That's a yeah. psychedelic wonderland. So I actually do. I do. Because, uh, you know, without it genuinely any context for me, outside of it just having a lot of really cool, awesome, random, pretty colors, I just yeah. think that stuff is fun. Like, I talk about in Adventure Time how I'll get whiplash from watching that show, but I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's sort of uh, what I think about. But, it, like, I'm not disappointed by not getting it to that level here. Like, I, I, this is one of my favorite episodes just because there is so much imagination sprinkled throughout. it. it's not just the town of Gravity Falls. It's an entirely different world. In some ways, like, you know, we have our podcast where we talk about whether or not we live in a place. This occupies its own area completely that would be totally separate from gravity falls and is in some ways an interesting discussion yeah yeah so (laughs) i i don't want to seem like i'm critical of the episode because of that um because i don't think that again like it's a problem it's just again i i'm i love trippy scenes in things and sometimes i feel like uh like when it's like if somebody goes for like a trippy scene and it ends up just being like, oh, I'm seeing unicorns and dragons. I'm like, you don't know what that actually is like. OK, so you feel like if they go for that and they don't land it, it just feels phoned in. Uh I don't think they're going for that. OK, I yeah, think they're really I, I just going agree- for they're just going for imagination realm. I don't think it's supposed to be very trippy. I think if anything, it's supposed to be more dreamlike. Cool. Which can be trippy, you. but it's different. Because they've gone for trippy before, and, you know, those moments have been great. Exactly, like, they can do trippy. Like, the scene where uh, Bill Cypher's summoned for the first time and the trees have eyes and the color changes a little bit, that's trippy to me. Okay, this is almost classic cartoon-like It sometimes. Yeah, I would say it's more like that. Like, it's more like, ch- more childlike animation best than it is trippy sure and you know what's fun i actually wrote the word zany not trippy which i do think is more appropriate yeah i think that's fair uh and it's not even possible to write all the zaniest that immediately ensues so first of all they live on several times square which if you remember is the name of the boy band i had forgotten that i'm glad you said it because i would need to i'll probably ask you at some point again during the review to stop lights have hearts Ooh, and good cash. I didn't even notice that one. They go between stop and hug. Yeah, I saw the speed limit was 60 miles per hour. Yep, I got that random. one. Uh, there's wild creatures everywhere and yeah. one of which is giant waddles carrying a group of animals that include Duck from some I of did, our earlier television I did appearances. Detective was uh made a couple of appearances in this one. I thought it was cool. Walking with what appears to be several penguins from the Club Penguin Disney owned property, at least similar really? enough to make me believe that may have been an intentional creative choice. I forgot that Disney owned that. Did you know that they tried to make Club Penguin come back for a little bit? I did. There's actually... Man, that could be a, a fun video. Maybe not from us, but some... I'd be... Like, The Rise and Fall of Club Penguin would be interesting. Oh, that, there is a YouTube video. I've watched it. It's might okay. even be titled The Rise and Fall of Club Penguin. <laughs> Something like that. It's, it's Maybe it incepted itself into my mind if I saw it. Yeah, uh, I recommend and then there's, it. <laughs> there's another random blue dog, among, dog amongst these characters that almost appears to be a reference to Blue from Blue's Clues, but that one's definitely more... S- so. It would be less sure, you yeah. know. There'd be a trademark issue potentially if they got too close. I thought the Penguins looked exactly like the Club Penguin characters. That's so funny, man! I love Club Penguin. Like that was a when fun it, time when it did get rebooted. I actually like made an account and looked at it just to see what it was like. And I'm like, yeah, I'm getting like light nostalgia buzz from seeing the coffee shop and the the like, you know, secret agent room and all that cool stuff that was going on. Sure. I wonder if kids nowadays have a different version of Club Penguin for themselves. We were also there for the Neopets craze, which I also yeah. have nostalgia for. Yeah. I still log into Neopets every once in a while. Um, but uh, I think a lot of kids these days do Minecraft and Among Us. That's very That's popular. true. Those are... and Fortnite. But I don't... Yeah, and Fortnite. Roblox, too, even. Oh, yeah. I actually played Roblox. Yeah, like we Roblox. were actually... Barely there for Roblox kind of taking off, but it's gotten a lot bigger since. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, actually, I thought there were some pretty good Roblox games that I was playing. I like that because you can actually, like, invent your own games and create your own, like, servers. I think Roblox was actually underrated, low-key. Fair. Uh, So Sue says, The world is amazing as Xyler and Kraz, who, if you remember, are Mabel's anime boys that she dreamed up in, I think, like, the season one finale or one of the last episodes of season one where yeah. they go to Bill Cipher's world. Uh, they drive up in this cool car. Very cool. We got to make sure that we know it's cool. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> and they introduce the group to Mabelland and take them on a tour. Now, the only rule in the paradise of Land is that there are no rules except one very serious rule that isn't worth breaking, so it's not worth mentioning. Or I think, rather, nobody will break it. They presume, so it's not yeah, worth mentioning. Nobody would ever do something as preposterous. See, I, okay, I want to, I want to get this along to the to the crux of the philosophy here, because uh, there's some, there's something very interesting that I want to know your opinion on. As the okay, do you person. feel like this is an idea that I already have to talk about, or do you think this is something fresh? I don't know. I I assumed that you would have thought of it immediately, but I could be wrong. Well, I mean, I know what I want to talk about through this episode, so we'll see if it ends up being the same thing. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Dipper says, we aren't here to party. We have to find Mabel and get out of here. Xylar and Kraz say, ah, she's the next stop. And we get to Ice Cream Beach, where those same Club Penguins serve drinks, which Wendy and Soos immediately take. Come on, guys. Um. See, this really does just sound like describing a dream. Like, and then I saw these Zenny characters, and then I walked into this random place. You know what I mean? But it's fun. You know, I- I'm so here for that. Like, I love talking about it, because think about if I tried yeah. to uh, walk somebody through this who had not seen the episode or even have any idea what I'm talking about. It almost sounds like Buddy the Elf trying to explain what uh, the North Pole is like to his new family and Elf that was that was quite a comparison well i i i mean it that no because that that's got its whole world and system of logic this really is just like describing a dream and i feel like most people don't give a crap when you try to describe your dream to them bad experiences <laughs> no i mean you know like usually it's just random nonsense i mean i've had really sick dreams that have like full storylines that that i can get into But in general, when people talk about dreams, I think there's this idea that like, oh, I hate it when people talk about dreams because they're usually very boring to me. I'll just I will push back on there being no logic because I do feel like this world has logic. And that's simply that it gives you what you want. And there is something to that. So You know, Dipper reminds Wendy and Seuss, Bill Cipher created this world. You can't drink something that is handed to you by one of these weird creatures. Which, can I just Uh, say, fantastic point. I can't believe they were in this world for, like, a minute, two minutes, and were like, yeah, I'll just take some random beverage that was handed to me by this creep, crazy creature. I'm like, dude, are you, like, do you want to see stuff like this for the rest of your life? Because I don't recommend it. Terrible. I, I mean, come on. Wendy has been so good, and Seuss has now been, like, some kind of a marauder. (laughs) Like, I I gotta be honest, Seuss and Wendy don't make full sense to me in this episode. Like, I understand that there have to be that way for the sake of like Dipper and Mabel's plot progression to forward. But there was a little part of me that's like, guys, you've been so competent up until this point. You know what I mean? I guess at one point, Bill Cipher does say it would take an iron will. Well, we'll get into that. Actually, I I want to get get into that. I'm teasing this conversation point because I think it's going to be hot. So Xyler and Kraz says uh, at the top of the tallest tower that is guarded by buff waffle guards, that is where Mabel is, which is already interesting in itself that if this world is in some way created by Bill Cipher, that Zyler and Kraz have no issues with directing straight to the source. Uh, I, I feel like there's some questions about who actually created what and if some in some ways maybe this world really is largely created by mabel and these characters do operate on her command in some capacity yeah i mean it's kind of like i think it's actually i think roblox is a good connection i think so bill cypher created the netcode and mabel designed the world you know what i mean mm, okay that actually makes a lot of sense uh so which is why ultimately, ultimately, as the netcode designer, you do have full override controls. I Yeah. um, Man, th- there is a lot of interesting stuff going on with the design of the world, which maybe we'll get into. Maybe we won't. I think that there's a strong chance that some of it is it was just written this way and they didn't think that hard about all of it. Oh, sure. Um, for sure. So I don't necessarily want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but we'll see. Um, Sue says, hand me some syrup. And immediately starts eating one of the waffle guards while Wendy punches the other one through its chest and some of its waffleness comes right out of its core. It was pretty funny that both of them were like, the moment that we've trained for, like, someone actually, like, eating us? They clearly didn't train that hard. Yeah, they were not ready. Um, we were not prepared. The group busts through the doors and just, they start attacking these innocent creatures that do not seem to be fighting back whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, immediately run up the stairs. They get to Mabel's room, Wendy barricades the door, and Seuss picks up Mabel, who's sleeping in her bed. And problem solved, Lou, they've got Mabel. Yeah, if if only our characters were that smart. That's right, because as it turns out, Mabel, realizing what's happening, uses these powers that she has to kind of make everything in the room float and stop her friends from doing anything. Uh, yep. D- Dipper's like, whoa, 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 we're trying to save you from prison. And she's like, No, no, it's not a prison. I made this world. Or she says, Or sort of woke up here. It's complicated, but this is my home now, and I don't want to be saved. Yeah. She is Mayor Mabel. Starts to get interesting. Yeah, it it does. So she says, Hey, you know, Dipper, once you abandoned me for that apprenticeship, I wanted to hide in my sweater forever. But instead, I woke up in a place that gives me exactly what I want. An endless summer where I never have to grow up. And now that my friends are here, you guys, everything's perfect. Low-key, better design than Neverland. Not gonna lie. Interesting comparison, which we talked about on Expedition Cartoon, the yeah. pros and cons of Neverland. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay, I actually really quick want to talk that through. If uh, We don't yeah. have to spend too much time. Which is better, a place where you genuinely never grow up that is presumably a real place, or somewhere that is completely fictionalized? I almost think this one's better. I mean, they're functionally the same, right? Neverland no, is... I disagree because Neverland not it... isn't, isn't doesn't interact with the real world, so it might as well not be real. Time is frozen. Okay, but Neverland, you can't just want something and get it. It's still just an island with pirates and yeah. You know, it's problematic just, it's, stereotypes it's, of Native Americans and it's just this some but without any powers. So wouldn't you want to take the place with powers? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I okay. So I feel like that's a close and shut case. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, now here's the question, right? Because we did talk about Neverland, and we, you and I, have had conversations about. I uh, like. I don't want to jump the gun on this conversation, but we've had conversations about like, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, ignorance is bliss kind of mentality. Oh, yeah. And this episode is all of that. Yeah. Like, low key, you know, maybe we should save this conversation for the court case, because that's when when I'm going to press you on it. That's fair. Let me just say that I think that actually the difference, which makes Neverland a little bit better, would be that Neverland, as far as we know, is just itself. Whereas this place, while it looks really cool and it does give you what you want, is also like an evil nightmare created by Bill Cipher if you flip a coin. So, you know, I, I think that the fair. fact that it's actually dark but is just covered in good things would make me a little bit too unsettled to pick this over that maybe. You know, I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, like, it, the well, okay, we'll get to that part too. There's there's a okay. scene that Dipper goes through that makes me be like, yeah, once you see that, you kinda can't, you kinda can't relax anymore in this world. True. Uh so Dipper says they aren't here to party. All of this is crazy. But Mabel says, well, don't worry. I thought you'd say that. So I prepared a backup Dipper with a more positive attitude. Meet Dippy Fresh. Dippy who, Fresh. Uh, fantastic, hilarious, almost. 80s looking version of Dipper with these uh, skateboarding sunglasses and outfit Um, he says hey I'm Dippy Fresh I love skateboarding supporting my sister and punctuating every sentence with a high five puts up hand and Seuss can't resist he's like I can't leave him hanging dude Uh, (laughs) Dipper says you're dead to me that was one of my you're dead to me Seuss (laughs) That's right. <laughs> Already, so Dipper's like, oh, I don't like this guy. And that's just step one. Um, Mabel says, trust me, you'll love it here because this world always knows what you want. Uh, Dipper, now becoming nervous, is like, listen, Mabel, I apologize for the fight that we had and that things aren't great right now, but you can't stay here forever. We gotta Dippy get Fresh, the hell out of here. Yeah, time to go. Uh, Dippy Fresh is like, hey, take a chill pill, man. They grow on trees here. No. Bur- like, stay They've out got of this to be fresh. On tree- stay out of this to be fresh. Uh, Mabel says, hey, give the place a chance. Uh, She claps and all of their wounds are healed while a pudding cheeseburger flies its way to Seuss with its wings. Uh, Again, wild stuff in Disgusting. my opinion. Gross. Why would anybody consume that? True. Like, I- I- I'm un- anti-pudding. You're Can I just say pudding? I don't like pudding. I I'm fine with pudding, but you put it in a cheeseburger? Yeah, that the mix doesn't make sense to me. I don't like eating something and tasting something else. Um, you know, like <laughs> what? So, for example, I there was a place uh, in Florida that I I went to once called uh, Burgushi. The idea was that it was a burger sushi place and oh. they made sushi That was not fish at all. It was burgers. So when you eat the sushi, what you're actually tasting is a cheeseburger. And in my mind, it's not that it was bad, but it's like when I eat sushi, I would like to taste sushi.
1: Uh, I mean, I think
0: cheese is disgusting. So that's a bad example for me. Yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) Or a different example. Frushi that is in Epcot's Festival of uh, Food and Wine. Fruit sushi? Uh, Yeah, it's again, not actually sushi. It's got like um, just fruit and it doesn't taste like sushi. So you're, I feel disappointed when I eat it. Does Uh, it have rice? I think so. But it's like. See, that would be, that would be weird. Cause like if it's half, if it's just like fruit that's supposed to look like sushi, I'm fine with that. Cause if it's, but if it's like, if it's like fruit wrapped with a rice roll, I'd be like, this is kind of weird. Yeah, it's got the rice, and then it's got like a strawberry candy wrapper instead of seaweed or something. Oh, that actually well, sounds kind of good. I yeah, a lot of people like it. I don't. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm anti pudding. I'm especially anti pudding cheeseburger. I had a sushi burrito one time that was like one of the most delicious things I've ever eaten in my life. Oh, me too. That works well because I'm not expecting to taste a real burrito when I eat that. I'm expecting to taste sushi. Yeah, it's um, pretty much just a huge sushi roll at the realistically. Exactly. i um, so happy that we spent three minutes on that. Worth it. Uh, so Wendy starts to say, you know, Mabel, I kind of agree with Dipper here. Um. But as soon as she says that, in comes a car with all of her friends who she's been worried about. And is like, oh my God, you guys are okay. And they're like, yeah, Wendy, this place is great. Let's go engage in some teenage shenanigans. I think they said it exactly like that. And... <laughs> She leaves with them immediately. And she's like, it'll only take me a few minutes. I'm out of here. Yeah. uh, So here's the thing. Where I get this is like, okay, well, Mabel was real. Why isn't it possible that her friends were there? Oh, wait, she saw her friends get taken. Well, maybe they were all put in the same bubble. You never know. Um, So there is actually a chance that those are real people. And maybe she's at least playing the long game to be like, well, I'll kick it with them and then save them too. She should have said that probably, in my opinion, because um, it, it really the way that they play it, it more seems like she's like, oh, nice. The fantasy that it sounds fun for me. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll just accept this now. Peace. I think the reason this makes just a little bit of sense, because I, I think you're right that Wendy and Seuss have been shown to be really competent and smart up to this point. Wendy yeah. has some plausible deniability at this point. Like you said, it actually is possible that these are her friends who she missed and in some ways was traumatized by seeing them potentially die in front of her eyes. You know, yeah. she doesn't actually know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and she's like, wow. Seuss on okay. the other hand, is that what you're going to say? Seuss <laughs> on the other hand. He's seen, yeah. but, but the thing is, Wendy is rational. So for her to make the mistake in a more rational way, it makes sense. That's Whereas fair. Seuss making a mistake in an irrational way to me also makes sense because it tugs directly at Seuss's heartstrings. Uh, the context being, Seuss sees this guy like uh, a professional wrestler looking human. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I don't know in, why the way you described that sounded funny to me. Like a, and specifically a human. <laughs> he literally says the words... Hey, Seuss, you don't remember what I look like, uh, so I appear to you to be a pro wrestler with a face you once saw a hot sauce bottle, but I'm your dad. And Zeus yeah. is like, oh my god, dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those Seuss moments that I just laugh and I'm like, haha, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like, right. realistically, I can't help but be like, Dude. Come on. But this is a depiction of a cooler version of what Seuss probably really thinks of his dad to be. And the the dream, like the idealized version. Uh, And I think that's why it kind of makes sense because, you know, Dipper even tells him this is a trap Seuss. And yet this, this version of Seuss's dad says, listen, I was never there for you in your world, but over here, I can be there for you. And he asks him to play catch And Zeus says, Dipper, even if it is a dream, I have to play just one game. Zeus gets it. It really just, this is what he has truly dreamed for for so long. And that's why this world is so enticing. It it brings you in for the thing that you really want the most. and just gives you a chance to experience it. Even if Uh, you are lucid dreaming in a real dream, you want to take advantage of these moments when they come up. Yeah. And having had lucid dreams a lot, that's I, I agree. that Usually that's something cool that you'll want to do however we never see him or wendy like end their journey they just kind of run off with them towards the end that is true so they don't really ever get over it they're just like ah, we're just pretending we weren't here that whole time and we don't have an art which you know it's a short show but you know what i'm here to be an honest critiquer so (laughs) fair enough uh so dipper tells mabel these fantasies are not good for anybody uh, she says, well, you can't argue with the results. People are happy. Does it matter if it's real or not? Oh, uh, uh, and here we go. Does it, do- though? I say it doesn't, technically. You say it does not? No. Okay. Um. So I think there's a world where it doesn't. I don't think that is this world. And the reason is there's actual danger here we see like this is an actual like bill cypher nightmare creation with genuine potential to just kill everybody there okay but this is this is classic this is uh, this is a very existential episode the more that i'm thinking about it right okay so Mm -hmm. let's say that what you what let's say since it gives you what you want right let's pretend that there's not a limit on that for a second okay and let's say they say oh well i just want all of the gravity falls people to be safe in here And then this will just simulate the real world, and we go back to normal in the bubble, right? So then you have sentient creatures that all have, assumedly, their own system of life and prospering that now you're, um, you know, ethically attributing to that reality, and you can't get rid of it anymore. And you would just keep getting whatever you wanted, because unless you decided to try to let the world play itself out, maybe? Well, I mean, if that's what you wanted, I guess technically that's what would happen, technically. I don't think that people, like, I I really think you would eventually get addicted to being able to make your own choices. Like, it would just take one bad thing to happen and feel the negative emotion of, I don't want that, and you would immediately spin it to be in your favor. Even if you were were trying to create a world that was as authentic to the real one as possible. I think it depends on who you are. And the other problem there is that this is now a world that is made up of many people. Not just one person who gets to control it all the way through. So you've got to have Mabel and Dipper and Seuss and Wendy all collaborating on how the world works, which actually has its own socio-political problems. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's what. Well, so that's kind of what I'm saying, right? So if so, what I'm saying is, if you say that you are getting what you want, and you simulate the rest of Gravity Falls, the Gravity Falls town, or the whole world's population into this thing, right? And then they they do take on their own sentience, right They like actually become real people um in the context of this bubble. you know what I mean? I'll say they'll probably still disappear if the bubble goes away um but they do have real emotions and they are then functionally speaking real people okay. Uh, I I guess that is kind of true again, I I think that. Your argument maybe is more valid if we're suspending ourselves into a reality that is actually not so dangerous. Like cause Well, what's what's dangerous about the world outside of what's going on outside of it? Well, mostly because it's created by Bill, this thing could implode in on itself at any time. And Dipper at least is always going to be hyper aware of that. Nah, may I one, mean, may that's not that's just that's pure speculation. It, it is, like, but I think it's no valid speculation, especially if you see what Dipper nah. sees later on. No, 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 no. I think that if that were true, he would have set it up to like explode the minute that they got out of it. I think you could logic your way into that reasoning, but that makes, what do you mean? I, I could. I just well, did. Bill, it's perfect. It makes perfect sense. But Bill Cipher has not shown to be predictable, so I feel well, like. But why would he just have it randomly implode at any moment? That's as. What I'm saying is that's as likely as our real world randomly imploding as well. I would disagree with that because. We don't necessarily have a triangle demon in charge of our fate. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. You have no idea. uh, At least in this world, that's the exact argument they made at the very beginning of this episode, with them making a triangle, saying, "Oh, maybe we know how the world works." But if you are in this bubble that has been created, you actually have the privilege of that for sure knowledge. You have the certainty that this was created by a triangle demon who has nefarious intentions. So I feel like that's a big factor. Wants you to stay there. So as long as you stay there, nothing bad will happen. To be fair- If anything, you're, you have more guaranteed safety in this world than you would in the real world, by a you long don't, shot. But we don't really know what he wants. All we know is that he trapped Mabel in a bubble. That's it. You know, it's possible that you have been trapped into being lured into this world so that he can take care of you as soon as he has a moment. No. There's no way. With how much power that he- Actually, you know, the more that we deconstruct this, this whole mechanism, like, obviously just doesn't make sense at all. Like, why didn't he just straight up kill Mabel? Um, I think if you were going to go with a plot reason that's not just it needed to be written this way, it would be that Bill Cipher is a mischief maker. He doesn't just want to win, he wants to have fun. So something like this to him probably appeals to his sensibilities. Well, at one point, he also says verbatim that this is the most diabolical prison prison I could have made, right? Maybe prison. he sees it as torture. Well, then that just means that he wants them... Well, sure. I don't think so. I think he just wants them to never get out. It could be. Um, it's really easy, right? If it feels like torture, you leave. I would still be very concerned if I was Dipper that it is not safe to be here. After everything that I've seen from Bill Cipher, like, so actually I I understand your general argument about, is this world worth staying in? Can I ask, are you speaking literally about Dipper's situation? Or are you speaking more hypothetically? If you had an opportunity to be in a world like this, where everything was dropped in front of your lap. Like, do you feel like Dipper should stay, is what I'm asking yeah a little bit i mean i'm I'm adding like a little bit to the equation like because one thing that we don't see is just how let's just say how sophisticated the ai is right okay like if you can actually simulate real human beings that end up taking on their own sentience Mm -hmm. right then who's to say they're not real people with their own system of emotions and you know wants and dislikes and everything um, I mean, I can see that. Listen, I get the appeal. There's something actually really wonderful about this world. And in some ways... No, 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 no. no. Were... You're missing what I'm saying, though. That means okay. that there are real sentient creatures, humans and animals in this world, that if you leave and pop it, they will die. And that will be on you. You're right. I think there's a mystery around... Well, actually, it, but the thing is, I they literally say these creatures, and later the judge, and... You know, a lot of the, the different people in this place are like, oh, yeah, this is not reality. In fact, it's like a crime to talk about reality. So two of them, two spoilers, two of them end up being real. I know it's complicated. Okay, so, let's so clearly they can. Cr- they So what I'm saying is if the AI is sophisticated enough and the want is sophisticated enough, they can generate a real sentient, conscious human being. But did they? Are all of them actual, conscious, sentient beings? Like, I think that No, not all of them are, but it can do that, so you could simulate them. Because not all of them are asked to be... Like, obviously they create clones of Mabel for the jury at one point, but, like, those aren't... in Those aren't created with the intention of creating a fully fleshed-out human being with wants and, you know, and everything. But you think if that was the intention, it could be done? Yeah. Because we see the other two, that's the evidence. Like there is a risk in the power of being able to just have whatever you want. A risk in the power, sure. Because you are, ba- are basically putting yourself in a situation where you no longer have waves. And as somebody who studies positive psychology, I see that actually that is a tremendous risk. Because like emotional waves, sort of. You know, you kind of need sadness in order to know what happiness is. And if happiness becomes a pure baseline that never goes down, then what is happiness at all? Well, but that means you want sadness. You'll come to that realization, right? And, th- and then that's interesting. That. And then she would maybe get it? Yeah. So it's possible. Functionally, it gives you the exact balance that you need to achieve happiness all the time. But just because you need something doesn't mean you want it. Our, our brains are actually really bad a lot of the time at actually judging what we need versus what we want. Well, but and needs are based on a set of physical conditions that this world theoretically can remove. That's true. Hmm. Do you think that the world would be able to just spit you out of it if you ever realized that the only thing that you needed was to be away? No, I could probably just create a reality that makes you think you're away. Oh, man. This reminds me a little bit of a Twilight Zone episode where a person realizes that they'll live forever, and it's great at first, and then they just become jaded by it because, you know... Well, that sucks because then you age and no one around you does. Or you don't age, but everyone around you does. That's true. You think it would be different if everybody else was immortal. Yeah. Hmm because then it's not like you're watching all these people your loved ones come and go you're all in this like i mean this this is literally what christian heaven is <laughs> um yeah i mean i don't want to necessarily um <laughs> just uh i'd say uh, minus the demon part but even that's kind of true <laughs> again i i don't know enough about that to be able to say that that's true so i don't want to generalize but Fair. i see your point I, I I, still think that there, there, there's plenty of reasons for me to not want to engage with this world. See, it makes you want to say that because you're like, no, we take reality. But would you really? Would you oh, really? Listen, a, a lot of the time, believe it or not, I was ready to pop onto this podcast and have and go with your side of the argument. Yeah. Um. But again, I'm... I'm factoring in the reality of this specific situation. I do think there is a world where your argument, it would, I would agree. But again, this specific world, I don't trust it. It's, it's a what? trust thing. Yeah, but like what, I, I'm i saying eventually if you stay there long enough, it'll break down your distrust. And if that doesn't exist, then you wouldn't even know the difference. It's possible. Because um, like, I, again, let's say you're like, well, I want my grunkles to be safe. And then poof, they're there. They were safe. And they're exactly Um, as they should be. Sure. That's assuming that you really would be able to understand them as being themselves and not a figment of your imagination. Which, again, I'm just not sure on. Like, there's a lot of unknowns here. The way that Wendy behaves toward Dipper in the next scene that we're going to talk about. um, Well, that's because that's obviously unrealistic. Okay, but that's the point is we're getting what you want. So you're actually not getting authentic versions of people. You're getting the version that you want them to be. And that's not real. What if you real. want an authentic like, version? What if you actually want an authentic version? I guess what you're saying is nobody actually wants that. <laughs> well, I, I would, yeah. <laughs> that is what I, I believe now, I, I wouldn't. I think, I don't they, think, think so. they want it. I think there are people that would take liberties, but I think a lot of people would prefer to just have genuine human interaction. I think it is very, it's very difficult to intentionally, in your heart of hearts, say, I want people to be exactly themselves, regardless of whether it is good for me or whether it appeals to me or not. I think that internally, our, our little gut, it tugs at what we want. And if Maybe, this world reads I think it what depends, we want, right? it's like give us inauthentic versions. I think people would think that about their enemies, but I don't think everyone would think that about their friends. Like, I have friends that I have things that I disagree with them with, but I love their take on things. And it's like, you know, like understanding philosophically the want of and understanding philosophically and doing so to such a degree that you like want diversity in your life. Right.
1: Because everybody not going...
0: just wants everybody, everyone to be the same as them. I understand and I agree, but I'm not giving myself enough, or too much credit here. Like, I still know who I am as a person, and even if I have those cerebral thoughts, I still know that internally I'm a little bit selfish and I'm still going to be prone to the things I want, whether it's organic or not. Well, this, then you'd like it even better. feels like a bad idea. Um, but that means you want it to feel like a bad idea <laughs> by this logic. Okay, so it continues to shape what you want slowly. I, I guess in theory, that's good. But again, we have Dipper's perspective here. Again, if, if you're Mabel, I agree with you because yeah, Mabel- well, Dipper just wants to get out no matter what. That's his, his MO, which is why it's probably not working for him. But he has a real... Well, I guess that's true because he has the benefit of understanding how much of this is fake. It it was able to get Seuss and Wendy anyway. Mabel, she doesn't even know how she got here. She just found herself in the perfect dream world that she's always wanted. But she doesn't remember that she sold a the or anything. Okay, so then, if you're in Mabel's position, not Dipper's, if you're in Mabel's, what do you do? Um... I think that up until the point where the group arrives and is able to explain what actually happened, I think if I'm Mabel, I admittedly would have a really hard time leaving. I think that Bill created a very smart trap. I would probably just think I died. <laughs> but honestly, that's a pretty good point because the reality <laughs> would have shaken so much. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, this is such a clearly vastly different reality. I'd be like, nice. I must have moved on to the next one. Let's just take it, it and run. It is interesting to me that if this is Mabel's perfect world, that these three didn't already show up in some kind of fictionalized form. Because... Technically, technically, she did already have a prepped version of Cool Dipper. Oh, wow. That means that she didn't want real Dipper, which is actually of kind of interesting. Well, yeah, she but wanted, she's like 10. <laughs> but again, she wanted a version of Dipper 12. that was not himself. The Dipper who was going to be the supportive sister and just... You know that, but that's not him. It's so inhuman. Ah, ah, ah. ah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, well, but again, that's a twelve-year-old girl's perspective. I don't think I would create a world like that. Sure, but who knows what world you would create? You know, I that would be it'd be awesome. I would love that world, of course, because it's your version of the world. I'm sure I would love mine too, except it it would cause a lot of problems. Uh, it wouldn't, though. <laughs> Clearly, it doesn't. The yeah. only problem, based on what this reality is is presented to us, the only problem with this world, by definition, are the things going on outside of it. Okay, which raises another question: Is there a sense of responsibility to try to save the world that you left behind if there's still a chance to do it? Yes. Or, and um, I think that's, that's complicated. That to too. me is, is the big crux, right? It's like, do I return? Because you really don't know if the world's already over. You might be leaving paradise for nothing. Right. I, I mean, if you're just going by simple odds, seems like the chances of beating Bill Cypher's apocalypse are pretty low, admittedly. Right? Um, but You are what a human. They are gods. Ford gave some hope, though. Uh, you true. know, I think that Dipper probably... I can understand why Dipper thinks that maybe there's still a shot, and he's in a place that may be evil anyway. Like, we have to take the chance here. Okay, well, let's get to the court case, because this might help r- r- change the perspective a little bit, right? Great. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. So really quickly, let's get through the rest of the plot that happens before that. So outside of all this, we do see Bill Cipher and his henchmen again, and he's asking them all, how do we escape the borders of this stupid hick town? Yep. Uh, and then he looks at the statue that he's created of Ford, and it's like, ooh, maybe someone needs to come out of retirement uh, and it's a cool scene here. We see the journal pages of Journal three or maybe some of the others flash over his eyes as he is considering bringing Ford back to life to help break this uh, portal open, which by the way, I still think is evidence that he actually would have wanted him on his team of people if he'd said yes. ok. I think that's that's fair. <laughs> uh, but before he gets a chance, uh, his little keyhole henchman uh, tells him that Gideon let Dipper and the group into Mabel's bubble. This is bad. Bill is like, no, it's not. That's the most diabolical trap I've ever conceived. Anyone will give in to the temptation. He's very, very confident in that. Uh, And that gives us a little bit more context as maybe why. We don't see the long-term effects, right? And if it's like heroin, then you're going to come down and have like, like you can't, there's a fleeting high to it, right? Mm -hmm. Wait, is that a a negative for you then in terms of living in that world? Assuming that that's possible. We don't see that because Mabel doesn't, like, we don't, the thing is, we don't see a fleetingness, right? It's Mm -hmm. just constantly your, everything's cool. The only thing that brings Mabel back to reality is Dipper. True. Realistically. Uh, All right. so, again, I think that the amount of knowledge that you have over the situation is still an important equation here on whether or not this place is worth living in or staying in. So, for me, the reason why this doesn't make sense for for bill cypher to have made unless it makes you eternally happy is if it doesn't you'll just leave the second it doesn't because it does appear that you at least have the ability to Um, Yeah. i think that is a good point but again that's using a lot of logic for a creature that has not always behaved logically well i mean that's what they did so we're using logic based on the situation that we literally saw for us, okay, sure. We get a little bit of a peek in. But, again, if I'm them, I don't know that. You know, I, I don't uh, know. No and then you have intentions. to burst the bubble to find out, and then you don't get it back anymore. That's a bummer. Okay, that well, based on what we know, then. I'm not interested in what they know. Fair. Well, uh, we go back. We we uh, we uh, just flash on back over to Mabel Land. And we see a stuffed animal tree singing while Dipper skips a stone that happily bounces around the water. And he says, even my stone skips are perfect. Maybe Mabel's right. See, that that's one of the things that that I think is not perfect about the world, right? Because, like, for me, if I can't get better and, like, actually use skill to skip a rock, it's not as fun. You don't feel the same flow in your wrist when you throw it. That's part but that, of what makes Skipping Rocks fun, right? Doesn't that mean that the world is not actually giving you what you want then? Because if you want is to be able to develop the skill, then it should do that for you. Well, it's Mabel Land, though. If it was Lucas Land, then it would have given me the ability to do the skill. Okay, but okay, that's interesting. Now we're asking two different questions then. is There's a difference between being Mabel in Mabel Land... And being one of the other people coming in. It seems though that those people can still get what they want, but they can't get it at the grand scale that Mabel can. Do you feel like that's kind of what we're getting? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I wouldn't be surprised if if Bill Cypher kind of intentionally designed it to lean more towards Mabel's wants than anyone else's. That is a really good point, actually. Uh because he's thinking about trapping her. Yeah. Yeah, he um, wasn't really into I mean, granted, he seemed content with other people showing up and that they'd get what they wanted as well. I mean, granted, I'm sure that Mabel didn't put school in her world, and yet we see it populate when Wendy's there because they want to stick a plunger on the principal's head. Oh, that's right. That's a really good point, too. So maybe Um, Dipper's just got such a stick up his ass that it's not working for him. That's my theory. Yeah, or maybe... They just have the rest of the group hasn't really had time or an understanding of the world to harness its power the way that it would need to be. But again, yeah. if they were able to harness it fully and have an equal playing field with Mabel, then it gets even more complicated because they're all going to be fighting for what they want, which is going to be different from what the other people want. And you know, maybe they all create their own realities somehow, uh, if that were to happen, which is <laughs> an interesting thought experiment. But uh, see, in that reality, that's even better, fair. <laughs> uh dipper realizes that he could escape the horror show outside for a fun place with breath- breathable air and then wendy walks up to him and we teased this earlier we we get a fake wendy who says hey i got bored hanging with my friends you know the 80s music is getting old you know what Dipper? what you said about this place is right you you can figure out anything you're so smart man if you were older you'd be my dream guy and Dipper, for the first time in this world, is like, really? It's like, wow, this this is what I want. Hey, can I say something, Lou? I feel like this almost makes the Dipper-Wendy storyline pay off a little bit. Is that going to make you mad? Oh, I totally could not disagree more. I because... so so don't agree. It just We're... It was so cringe to see this moment, too. Like... Oh my God, this is a 16 presumably year old girl hitting on like a 12 year old. This is so uncomfortable to watch. But Dipper is so logical. And the one thing that has always been his crux is that he throws logic out the window when it comes to Wendy. And maybe some other things, admittedly. Yeah. Uh, but you I'm know- not saying narratively it doesn't make sense. For how they wrote the story. But I still hate it. I think it's a good way to pay off the narrative. Even though Dipper has learned and he's sort of moved on. However, and I will give him credit here. He's moved on enough to where he does not fall for the trap. Because I think he gets it. Like, wait, this can't be real. Like, I've at least had my illusion shattered enough to know that this is fake. (laughs) Um, And... It's true because she's trying to tell him, hey, maybe in this place we can be any age we want. We can just go up to Mabel and ask her to make us the same age and then we're which, good. Which, by the way, is actually evidence that this is more Mabel land than anyone else because otherwise it would have just happened right then and there. He would have just turned 16. Really then, good point. Mm-hmm. And then the fantasy would have lived on and god damn, I do not even want to think about how that would have gone. Yeah, we don't have to. Oh uh, When he oh See, why? this? No, it does not make the narrative pay off. It brought back terrible, terrible ideas. Wendy <laughs> tries to get Dipper to take her hand, uh, but he realizes, uh, when he realizes it's fake, Wendy just turns into a bunch of cockroaches. Yeah, and there's a really creepy scene. This is one of the creepiest parts of Gravity Falls, in my opinion. This was a good I one. love it. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, um, everything around now, him. What I will say, I could not sleep in a world where I saw that. Well, I guess I do sleep in a world where I've seen stuff like that. Just kidding. See, and that happened in what? Less than three hours? I, 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 if I'm Dipper, there's just no way that I am going to be staying in this world. Who, who knows what else is behind that? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty uncomfortable. We really need to think of ourselves from Mabel's position, though, because Dipper is doing everything he can to dismantle the illusion from the get-go. You know what I mean, right? I mean, again, the person that you are, who you are walking in with, is so important. Like, if we're using Expedition Cartoon rules, where we are able to go oh. in with the knowledge of what the world is, I feel like it's a red flag. You know, I think that's enough to disqualify it. Again, really, because for yeah. me, I don't know. I mean, that's you're kind of just saying like do I live in a world that gives me everything I want 24-7? That's not true. You are living in this world that gives you everything you want 24-7, created by a diabolical super demon by named Bill Cipher. That only sounds better. Dude knows how to party, clearly. <laughs> anyway, Dipper says he's losing his mind. Uh, and it is time to get back to the real world. Uh, the town and the uh, comes- <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> all around, even though they are not listening to him, they can sense what was just said. They're all shocked, including Mabel. And Dipper is suddenly attacked by the Waffle Guards because he broke the one rule. Mentioning reality. Prepare to be banished forever, little child. So this is uh, where this gets a little inconsistent because, like, even though this place is, like, created, it's still real. You're still experiencing it. It Still has cause and effect, it's real, it's real, uh, so in some ways, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess calling it fantasy is only half true because it is some manifestation, and yeah, you know, it's even more real thoughts, than a dream, even, yeah, even our thoughts they may not be tangible, but like they are real in a sense, uh, yeah, so anyway, a portal to their friendly neighborhood apocalypse opens up, but yeah, first. Before he gets kicked out, we gotta have a trial. So, uh, this is, uh, I think, one of the most fun parts of the episode. Mabel is ready to take this argument to court with all of the creatures. And all rise in the courtroom for honorable Judge Kitty Kitty Meow Meow Face Schwartzstein. You know what I just realized? First of all, yes, that is a ridiculous name. You know... Honestly, Dipper probably should have just like let Mabel stay in Paradise Land while the rest of them tried to stop Bill. Right? She was safer there. But what we've established up to this point is that they don't feel that they can win without Mabel. Like how selfish. (laughs) But it may be true. You know, it's like Wendy said, Dipper, Uh, you uh, have your sister. You have and it's true the entire show, that is what we've seen. That with one of them, they mess things up. And when both of them come together, they solve the problem. That's fair. All so right, it... I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Uh, so now we are in the courtroom. The trial begins right meow, as the cat judge says. And, they and have... it is... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay, yeah, it's the case of fantasy versus reality. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's literally what we've been talking about this entire episode. <laughs> Right, and maybe we've sort of covered a lot of it by now. But the idea of fantasy versus reality as a simple concept is a little bit different than our feelings about this very specific version of fantasy versus reality. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you saying that if it was fantasy versus reality that you would take the fantasy? Uh, It would depend on the case. Again, I don't want to go into a world that's run by a demon, but how, I mean, listen, a lot of people live in fantasy now. Um, you know, I, I think it is more of a common case of, maybe, maybe not a common case, but, you know, it's the theme of blissful ignorance, but just on a much higher scale. Like, I am in a literal world that has taken me out of my reality. Um, you know, if a person is somehow born into a place where they have no idea, actually, there's an old story of Buddhism about this, where Siddhartha Gautama, uh, the original Buddha... He was sheltered from all suffering because, you know, he was rich and lived in a place where they were keeping him away from all that. And when he was outside and finally saw suffering, he realized, oh my gosh, wait, like there's a world out there. And I do think, you know, it's possible that if you are born uh, completely away from everything and you have no idea that there is a darker reality out there, that you might be perfectly content because there's nothing to compare, just compare to. Um, but the truth is like, again, we have seen reality. So I couldn't just put myself into a fantasy world. Like I can't just turn my eye to the world's problems because I've seen them. I know that they're there. Like it would be irresponsible and I mean, you are disingenuous turn your, I mean, for me. You, you, I mean, you don't do something about every, of all the world's problems. There's too many. Oh, a hundred percent. But you can't ignore them. Like, you know, that they're there. Like you couldn't turn your heart off. You couldn't be like, I think oh. most people do turn their hearts off. That's how they develop a defense mechanism for the news, giving them a constant entourage of complete crap all the time. Um, I think that's fair. And I think that's reasonable. I think it's actually, like, smart and safe to turn your heart off because if you just had it open to every single tragedy in the universe going on all the time, you would just die. You wouldn't want to yeah, be no, here anymore. I 100% agree with that. Um, But to just pretend like none of it's there. You know, to try to hide all suffering. To try to put yourself in the fantasy world where everything is Land. I mean, um, theoretically, any time you try to have a good time, you're doing that to a degree. Hmm. I, th- I mean, you're just living in a moment and you're not thinking about other things. What's the difference? Well, this is permanent. You know, and I think that the theme of impermanence is interesting. Because Mabel, again, is going for this high all the time as opposed to uh, a world that's going to give her waves, like moments of beauty and also sadness, which is kind of what where we actually are. Yeah, but I mean, how many people are like, how many people spend even 5% of their time trying to make the world a better place? Um, not many. Not many. I don't. I'm not i am no. not high roading anyone. No, me neither. I mean, and I agree to you that you can't carry the burden of the world. Like the, the best advice that I've heard is to pick a social issue that you really care about, put some time into that one, you can't get everything. So, that's you know, why, find that's, that's actually what I did. That's why I complain about capitalism and the environment all the time. Those are the social <laughs> issues that are within my wheelhouse and my expertise, right. because that's what I've actually researched. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you've actually like put a lot of like academic work into that. So it's not like you're taking it from nothing. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you but uh again, I think that just trying to move away from all of these things and live in a state of eternal bliss is not realistic um yeah or satisfying either I mean so here's the thing though like if you choose your issue let's say let's say you make uh you make let's say you live in a country where there's slavery right mm-hmm. and you make slavery your issue let's say you you actually do it like, you actually, like, stop slavery in your country. This is very unrealistic, but let's just pretend for the sake or of Or let's state, say right? you contribute to it on some kind of a large scale. Yeah, sure. Can you chill for the rest of your life? Because you did the thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know That's what I not... mean? Boy, I don't even know if... It's not that there aren't problems still, but, like, you stopped slavery in a place. That's a pretty big deal. Like... Maybe I just earned that one, you know what I mean? I think your hypothetical situation is benefiting from being able to say, hey, we stopped this, and not the very realistic situation of, actually, it just took another form in six different ways. Yeah, Uh, that's usually what that. But I mean, that's, but at a certain point, see, that's the thing, right? That's reality. Like, you don't actually ever solve the issue with stuff like this. You may make it better, though, and... You know, I'd say that then, it's up to that. But person. then does it even matter? Now we're having a deeper existential problem. Well, it does matter because better is better. You know, if it's a little better than it was before, then that's a good thing. And But how do you how let's say there's a young activist like person listening to us right now? Yeah. How can we say to them, Keep do keep doing it, if we're also saying to them, but no matter what you do, it's always gonna be a star. Um I mean, I would say that there is personal satisfaction in trying to help issues that you care about, and it's worth it just on, like, a personal level. Uh, I I don't think so, because I think it's far more taxing than it is desirable. Because that's why I gave up. (laughs) But also, the more more, uh, interest that is generated by social issues, the higher aggregate of people are actually doing something about it. And just by sheer volume, the number goes up organically through that. And that would be a good reason to continue doing what you're doing. Um, Assuming that it matters. Right. Which a lot of the time it can. uh, Genuinely. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like 13-year-old cynic me would be hearing that and be like, "So, so I shouldn't try is what you're saying. No. I mean, think about the amount of people that have made a difference over time. Like... We have I mean, solved if we think a lot of how problems, many us have in relation to how many that haven't. I don't want to think about those numbers to be honest. A lot of problems have been improved through the course of history. You know, more things have been improved than worsened. And that's because over time people care about things, things get better. and then I talked about this in a previous podcast. then as humans, we kind of start to look for more problems so that we can solve more. So yeah, the more people work toward solving things, the better. Now, alternatively, you could go to Mabel land where you can't solve any problems, but, uh, but there are solved all the problems, but there are unicorns. Well, actually, maybe not in this one anymore. I don't think we saw a single unicorn after Mabel was scarred. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I, I, in a way, though, you're kind of saying that you get a world where you did solve all the problems. Well, no, I guess that's not true. You get a world where you just don't have them and you didn't solve anything. Yeah, that's, that's more what I would say. And I think that how that appeals to you probably differs from person to person. I don't really like the sound of it. I would feel like I skated away. Don't get me wrong, everybody. I'm not trying to say we should all give up on our dreams and nobody should help the world and be a hedonistic piece of garbage for the rest of your life. I'm just playing devil's advocate because I feel like it's hard for people to want to try. And it's important to make a good case for it because people won't otherwise. Like, yeah. like for, for example, for me, it's about consistency, right? Like I care about the environment because I just don't want to be a hypocrite. And I do all of these things in my daily life to make sure that I'm as sustainable as I can be consciously because otherwise I can't, I can't in good faith to myself. Ah, that's the Sartre argument too. Uh, I can't say in good faith to myself that I actually like love nature and i love the trees and i love all these things that they've done for me um because i don't actually treat them with respect you know what i mean yeah so for me it's about ethical consistency like i can't live with like i know that the environment is screwed because humanity is garbage like i i'm not trying to do anything about that because i recognize that there's nothing that can be done um i just want to live my life ethically consistently so then you know I do it that way. And then if it ever comes up, I explain to people why I do it. And then usually they go, okay, well, I don't have to be ethically consistent. You do whatever you want. But the more people that decide to do that, again, the higher the volume is and the more of a difference it makes. I And I'm not willing to say that all hope I, I is lost. I will say that all hope is lost. I do not believe that what you do for the environment matters at this point. We are so beyond the point of being able to fix it that like, it's bad. It's a bad shape. And environmental that- scientists are just a- uh, are really clinging on to hope. (laughs) I mean, from a sociology perspective, you know, a lot of the experts that I listen to sort of say, yeah, do as much as you can on an individual level, but the biggest change would just be like a policy, different policies that force tons of change to happen all at the same time and require it, as opposed to people having to make individual choices for something that doesn't affect them right now, which is not how our human brains work in the first place. Well, but those Um, policies... That's, I mean, there's nothing that can be done. That's my whole point, right? Those policies aren't going to be made. Yeah. There's other just than too both. much. That doesn't, uh, yeah. Well, we're going to get into that conversation. But like, <laughs> you know, in general, I think that if you're trying to be an activist to like fix problems, you're in the wrong field. You should become like a physicist or a mathematician or something like that. Because maybe you can actually like solve a single answer in your entire life. Interesting. But if. If you if you are doing it because you just care about living a holistic life that's, you know, done with meaning and with good intent, and you actually put time and research into being, you know, ethical about the things that you care about, those that's why you should do it. And you can't get satisfaction from any other reason because you're not going to have any impact. <laughs> and I hope that you do have satisfaction from that reason. And... I don't. I'm so pissed at people for being unsustainable all the time. No, I'm saying <laughs> I hope people get satisfaction from oh. taking that action. Yeah, I I don't. But I hope other people do. So why do you keep it up? Because you get no satisfaction. I would, because I would be even less satisfied if I was as stupid and thoughtless as all of those other people. Well <laughs> then you can't tell me you're not getting satisfaction. Yeah, I can. <laughs> all right. Being slightly less depressed and being completely depressed are completely different things. Uh, all right. Uh, well, let's get back to the episode. <laughs> We've got a, <laughs> quite enough of a tangent. um So, case of fantasy versus reality. If Dipper wins, Mabel returns with him to the real world. If he loses, he'll be banished forever and replaced by Dippy Fresh, who Dipper hates so much. See, says. Dipper's the same. He just want. He doesn't want that guy to be him. It's not about him. No, I'm just kidding. I guess. The decision will be made totally by kidding. a jury of peers, which is actually just a bunch of Mabel clones. Which uh, theoretically is the best jury you could have asked for in this world. Actually, that is true. Um, they're not Bill Cypher creations, they're actually Mabel, so she gets to choose. Yeah. I I was as soon as I saw the the jury, I was like, yo, Dipper's actually got a good case here. Imagine if they were just a bunch of like, you know, creepy little kitten things that were you know, Bill Cypher created to just make the reality that he wanted. That's what he yeah. should have done. He honestly. really just has to convince one person at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh so Dipper says, This may be ridiculous, but it is what I will do if this is what it takes to bring you home. Um, but she can only speak to her legal team now. So in come Zyler and Kraz. Uh be yeah. the lawyers. They say, Hey everybody, the case is simple. Dipper thinks reality is better than fantasy but reality is bogus, lame, and whack. Facts, though. Facts, (laughs) though. To prove it, here are some of Mabel's memories to show how reality has wronged both of these two. So we get two little montage sequence. Second grade photo day. Someone puts gum in Mabel's hair just before she's supposed to take her school photo. Dipper doesn't know how to help, and it really upsets her. Fourth grade, Valentine's Day. Dipper got no Valentines, and uh, Mabel sadly watches as, Dipper embarrassingly leaves to run to a closet. So Dipper asks, okay, what's the point of all this? It's in the past. And they say, right, but your life sucks now too. Heartbreak, disaster, and broken promises is your reality. But over here, you have pug Sundays. So that's the case. I mean, they're making a pretty good case, man. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, they're doing okay. Uh, But Dipper calls Mabel to the stand as a witness. She walks up and... Dipper says, I don't have the answers, Mabel. I'm not cool like Zyler and Kraz, but I know you. And you might not act like it, but you don't want to be in this fantasy world. I know you're scared of growing up, and I'm scared too. Real life sucks sometimes, but you can get through it with people who care about you. And as the opposition argument, he takes the memory book. and He's like, remember how this actually ended? On photo day... She was upset she had gum in her hair. So Dipper took a razor to his own hair to show how ridiculous it was and just put it right over. And then she, in this memory, shaves her own head as well, which might have been a step too far, but uh, (laughs) I thought it was sweet. What I will say is there's a little part of me that almost, I, I don't know. I guess I've had a lot of friends that have like a lot of real issues going on. And there's a little part of me that wishes that instead of, him showing them that it wasn't that bad of a day they committed to it being a really crappy day but showed that there were just also good days you know what i mean i agree with that actually i really do um yeah because i thought it kind of devalued the the argument a little bit but not too much but a little bit yeah uh, i i can get that uh Then we also see the Valentine's Day flashback where Mabel showed up to the sad Dipper and she took all of her Valentines and made a big one for him that just said, for my favorite brother, something like that. Um, So Dipper says, Mabel, you thought you were living in a fantasy, but so was I, thinking I could stay and be Ford's apprentice. You know, I don't want to spend my teens cooped up in a lab coat. So he says he doesn't know what the future holds, but whatever it is, we'll do it together. I'm not taking the apprenticeship. We have made it this far together. It's time to go back, beat Bill, and grow up together too. And congratulations, Dipper. You were just successfully and emotionally manipulated to not pursue your dreams in an extremely elaborate way. Good job, both Mabel and Bill. (laughs) And Mabel, I guess, in some ways, was manipulated to leaving her perfect world. Yeah, I know, right? Oh my god, you're right. That's terrible. You're That's a philosophy terrible. major. Your whole thing is arguments and getting people to change their mind. Is that not just pure manipulation by that logic? Philosophy cares about logic. Emotional manipulation is not logic. That's using shameless tactics that revolve around make, like guilt and other like negative emotions to try to get people to do what you say, even though they don't believe in it. Okay, I dare not go down this path, but I will anyway. Then, <laughs> what do you think of ethos, pathos, and logos as concepts? If you're a philosopher- well, I also got a degree in marketing. That's what I got my master's in. Okay, marketing is also manipulation, largely. Yeah, that's what uses, like... The, it's been a while since I've been in school. Whatever the emotional one is. Pathos. E- ethos. Oh, ethos, wait, maybe it whatever. is pathos. I, no, you're I right. Sorry, remember. it's pathos. You were right. <laughs> um, It's usually, I think, shameless and terrible, honestly. It's very okay. difficult to do in a tactful way. I mean, you can, you can use both. And in fact, I don't I don't think that an, I don't think an appeal to emotion, appeal to emotion is literally a fallacy in logic. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's not Logos, which is considering the appeal to logic. Yeah. And then Ethos but, is an appeal to ethics, if y'all are trying to keep track. Uh, I wouldn't be so sure about that. Oh, I was pretty sure that's how it is. But I am not the philosopher, so don't listen to me. Yeah, I, it gets more complicated than that. It's it's the kind of thing where like there's whole subcategories and subdivisions of all of these things when you actually get into it.
1: You yeah. know what I mean?
0: Like existentialism has like 50 different branches of existentialism on the inside. Okay. Um well, anyway, uh they have an awkward sibling hug or as Mabel says a sincere sibling hug, which is a nice way to close that loop. Uh, uh- They hug, and a wave goes through Mabel Land. Her power stops working because her reign over the land is over. And suddenly, everything around her turns back into the nightmare that it actually is. Uh, Yeah. Interesting thing, they run out with Susan and Wendy to reach Waddles. And I didn't realize till this point, Waddles actually is real, I guess. That is Waddles, but he's Waddles? Yeah, I also had questions about that. (laughs) I'm guessing Mabel knew that it was Waddles. I mean... Waddles got turned into a bus sized Waddles, though. So, like, again, I-, I think that there was some element of this world that had an impact on reality. Like, if the AI was good enough and if Mabel's desires were strong enough, it could make it real in, sure, in I mean, not a bill controlled way. Mabel grabs a knitting needle on this ride and literally uses it to stab the outside of the portal to get out, which clearly it worked. Like, it wasn't such a figment of her imagination that it just vanished into her hand. <laughs> you know what's awkward? if Dipper had, or if, uh, if Bill Cipher had just made the bubble with a stronger outside material mm-hmm. problem solved, they would have never gotten out. Yeah. I hear that. Pretty convoluted plan there, bud. you could have just like, you know, use titanium or something <laughs> with all this crazy stuff you're doing, but you know, okay. Just let it pop up like, a bubble, whatever. Yeah. Uh, God. With, with that, they're <laughs> back home. Uh, Mabel appreciates Dipper, and she does say, I won't get in your way if you really want to take The Apprenticeship, but he meant it. Um, Mabel admits, okay, I I was nuts, but the real world can't be that bad. And they walk into the apocalypse that Bill Cypher has created and wonder if he has already won. Now, we're already running late on this episode, so I won't go into this argument, but theoretically, theoretically, this world has less problems than it did before he took it over okay you're right we better not get into that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> because everybody's frozen in stone now there's no suffering uh well not everybody because the group walks to the mystery shack oh, and yeah. as they reach for the door they hear a noise and when they prep weapons and walk inside it is grunkle stan and the rest of the surviving gravity falls citizens and creatures and it's a ragtag group, for sure. I, I'm totally joking on that last argument, everybody. I, I'm not advocating. I'm not that much of a villain, I promise. <laughs> Do you see yourself as the villain of this podcast? You're the Bill Cipher, and I'm the uh, Dipper and Mabel. I mean, if one of us has to be, it's definitely gotta be me. Because you are way too goody-two-shoes to be the villain, unless we're doing some Stepford <laughs> Wives. <shit. laughs> goody-two-shoes, how dare you? Uh <laughs> i'm wearing a demon on my shirt right now oh my goodness (laughs) i mean yeah we are we did talk about demons in journal four last week through the context of bill cypher and his henchmen so yeah that's right that was my introduction that's like one of the only ones that i brought to the table well maybe we should rename the podcast angels and demons and see how that plays (laughs) oh god i think we'll get Uh, a different audience base that'll be even more pissed at my opinions so, in the next episode, we're going to get more into the surviving uh, citizens who have made it out without being frozen. And I-, I think it's interesting the creative choices that they made of who to include there, but I-, I think it's going to be more interesting to talk about when we actually see what they do. Uh, so, post credit scene, <laughs> we can't get away from... Discuss- you thought that this one didn't have a lot to talk about. Uh... <laughs> Sartre, that- my homie, one of my favorite philosophers of all time. Let's go. Zyler and Kraz, who have made it back to the world out of Maybelland, uh, they're wondering if this is reality. And one of them says, is it Jean-Paul Sartre? Is- it's technically, it's French, so it's Sartre. Got it. Postulated that every ex, every X. Ex- wait, dang it. I hate when I make a typo. Is I it? didn't write it down. Oh, I got I it. Remember. <laughs> Every existing thing is born without reason, Yeah, prolongs itself out of weakness, and dies by chance. Totally righteous, bro! Yeah. How do you feel about that line? I freaking love, I, I love, dude, there's, there are a few philosophers, because the thing, that, I mean, in the philosophy degree that I got at this like liberal arts school, you know, I mean, you you read the things and you talk about it, and you decide what you agree with. You know, and usually I find things that I do and don't agree with with every philosopher. And there are things that I don't agree with with Sartre, but I agree with the most of Sartre than most other philosophers that I've read because, and this is the difference between existentialism and nihilism, right? Nihilism is like, nothing has meaning. There is no meaning, right? Which Mm -hmm. existentialists are like, well, that's a bold claim. You just don't know what's going on. You know, you're just born into a world of randomness. We don't know what's going on, and the best way to have a life is to ascribe meaning to the limited experiences that you have. Um, you that's existentialism. Yeah, I mean, I'm boiling it down like really, really, really nitty gritty, but generally speaking, yeah. Okay. Existential. If we're taking like, if if we're if we're thinking about it theologically, right? Nihilism is there is no god. If we're thinking about that, and uh, existentialism is. We have no idea what's going on. And even postulating is very likely a waste of time because you need to create meaning around the realities that you can postulate, one of which is not God. So Sartre is existentialist, not nihilist, is what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because from that quote, I almost (laughs) get more nihilism. He says, everything's born without reason, prolongs itself out of weakness and dies by chance. Isn't that assuming that? No, I mean, that's just a, I mean, that's just a, that's just that's just true, isn't it? Perhaps, but I feel like the idea that we don't know what's going on perhaps leaves like the slightest door open for things to not die by chance. Like maybe not everything is by chance and we just don't know. Well, I mean, that's why Wait, say that last part again. The the quote? No, 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 the, the what you just said about chance. Um, oh, well, I guess you know, I'm thinking that if there's always a chance that anything is possible and we just have no idea then to say that something dies by chance is making a bit of an assumption. Well, I mean, not dies by chance in the sense that there isn't a reason that you died. Like, obviously there's always a cause of death. You know what I mean? It's just saying right. the fact that you die has no more greater meaning than the fact that you were born. Sure. I mean, would you say that existentialism definitely doesn't believe that there's any like choreography going on in terms of what happened. Like, they, it doesn't, no. they, they wouldn't believe in fate. Well, fate, oh God, fate gets tricky. You would want to read, um, Sartre doesn't talk as much. Well, the stuff that I read, he didn't talk quite as much. Well, I guess no, he did talk about fate. Um, actually, if anything, I would say the exact opposite. They would say that fate, depending on how you're defining it, is necessary, right? Okay. You have some fates that are guaranteed, right? Are you sure. going to Mars? No. You personally, yeah, that's your fate. You can't go to Mars. There's there's okay. no reality. There's nothing written into your code that allows you to go to Mars. You know what I mean? So that's your fate. You can't go okay. to Mars in this life. What I'm if sorry. by the end of my lifetime, they have figured out how to get people to Mars on vacation trips? Then the chance of you going to Mars was in your fate. That's why most okay. existentialists don't talk about fate, because it's just kind of stupid. <laughs> okay, I, I understand. <laughs> because you could say every, like, fate is, fate is, I don't want to think about there being choice, right? Because ultimately fate versus choice is just like, do we make decisions? Because we have the experience of making decisions, right? Yeah. So if you're a phenomenolog- phenomenologist, which is kind of a version, like, there's different people, different existentialists believe different things. But one of those differences is considered phenomenology, which is you believe in your experiences, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: therefore, you have the experience of choice. Therefore, you believe that choice is real because you experience it to be real, right? That's interesting. You, in- okay. you inhale oxygen and see a blue sky, and you assume that those things are real, even though maybe other organisms experience it differently from you. That's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, we're humans that see the sky as blue, so we call it blue, even though an entire different species of animal doesn't see it as blue, so to them it's not blue. We still say the sky is blue and consider it a real statement, even though it's not real in of itself, there's nothing real in of itself because everything is relative. Everything's perception. Yeah, every, every single thing that exists, exists co-determined by the things that are perceiving it and the things that are having perception around it. Okay. Well, can we we try to transition this conversation right into Journal 4? Um, Yeah. Hell yeah. Because I think it's not a one-to-one thing, but it's still kind of theoretical concepts. Yeah. We talked about how H.P. Lovecraft created the creature Cthulhu when he saw it in a dream. (laughs) Are we really doing (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Sorry. That's delightfully absurd. That's why absurdists are fun to read. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know, Lou about what do i want to know about i don't think (laughs) that anybody's calling cthulhu a cryptid but i do think that the idea of dreams having this meaning beyond what our brains can comprehend is an interesting topic and i don't know if we've talked about dreams um yeah i don't think if i've mentioned dreams at all it's been under the guise of like maybe aliens can manifest in our dreams are we just talking about dreams in general like are dreams real no, I think that we're talking about, can can dreams mana? Hmm, how do I word I, this? I was going to say Santa Claus for today because of this conversation. Uh, we all know Santa Claus is real and we're not going to uh, go down the path of Santa Claus. My so gosh. in terms of dreams, though, I'm wondering, could we have a real symbolic message come to us for a dream that is not random, that is not just our brains configuring a bunch of objects? Like is there I think symbolism is the only option if it is random. Okay. Well, I mean, we can create symbols out of anything. That's what symbolic interactionism is in sociology. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it's if it's if it's if if dreams are purely random, which I don't think they are. Then the only thing that you can draw from it is symbol symbolism. Because you're just meaning okay, from nothing. I think that we are asking, are dreams random or is there something deeper to them? And if there's something deeper to them, that's what we're rating. I mean, I think that I've had some experiences that lead me to believe that there are dream experiences that you can have where you're in a very real place. Okay. Um the current model of psychology doesn't agree with that. And I disagree with that because I'm a phenomenologist and I believe in my experiences fundamentally. Um, Sure. I understand that. So we're thinking about dreams as a, um, as a spiritual experience to say. All right, let me tell you this. I'm not, I'm not being uh, analogous to this. This was a straight up real lucid dream that I had. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I I went into this dream with like I I I woke so I, I I was I was dreaming and like some whatever random dream I woke up and I have like been really interested in dreaming. Feel free not to believe this. I don't care. Um, but I swear to God, this is exactly what I experienced. Um, swear to the God that I don't believe in. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I. I went to sleep. I like closed my eyes flat on my back and I'm like, okay, I want to go back into this dream. And I immediately was 100% lucid in a dream when I, uh, I guess woke up in the dream I was dreaming. Um, and I was sitting in the back of a truck and the truck was driving in the dark somewhere on this dirt road. Right. And I remember I'm like, okay, you're dreaming. You know that you're dreaming. Feet. And I've done this, like, the first few times I ever was had lucid dreams, the first thing I would do is try to find someone to have sex with because I was, like, 12 or 13 or something. And I would just have, <laughs> this, you know, stupid middle schooler brain. But this was when I was actually an adult and I wanted to, like, do something meaningful with this experience, right? <clears throat> so I thought to myself, like, oh, my gosh, okay, you're dreaming. What are you going to do? I'm like, first, take it in. To like just like you would in reality when you're trying to have a real, like really in the moment moment, you know, like I'd be here now kind of stuff. Just be super mindful. I'm like, breathe in the air, feel the cold steel of the truck, feel the tires moving on the dirt beneath you. It was the most real experience that I could possibly explain. It's just as real as what I'm seeing and feeling right now, if not more so, because I was paying so much attention. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I was like, okay this, like I I looked at the sizing of the truck. I looked at the dimensions. I looked at the shading of the lights and how it was dark and how the lighting was coming in from the stars from outside. And it all looked so unbelievably complete and real. There was not a single sense out of place. Right. And then I stepped out of the back of the truck and I was like, and you know, the the truck came to a stop and I walked out the back and it drove away. I didn't look, I didn't think to look at the driver, which was really stupid of me. Um, but, uh, I thought to myself, like, I just see this dirt road, like maybe a town in the distance, and it was a beautiful starry night, right? And I think to myself, like, okay, um, I'm still dreaming. I haven't woken up or anything. Usually in a lucid dream, you would like wake up in shock or something by this point, but I didn't. So I'm like, I'm just gonna sit here and see what happens. I'm just gonna sit down and watch the universe. So I sat down in Lotus, I did my meditative pose, and I'm not joking you, I looked up at the stars. And a light, one of the star lights in the sky shot out of the sky toward me, landed in front of me, and started humming like, and there was just this like white orb of light that landed right in front of me and was just pulsing this like super warm, loving feeling towards my face, right? And that was too much for me. That had me go, and I woke up. And I literally, I woke up and I was like, God damn it. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. And I couldn't. I could not. I was too stimulated after that experience that I could not fall back asleep. I immediately wrote it all down in my dream journal. Um, and if you're going to tell me that the human mind is random and that all of your dreams are just a random accumulation of things, like I, I just say there's literally no way. I-, I felt myself interacting in a real world. And if it was totally random, that world couldn't have been stable for even a second. Well, that's that's fascinating. And thank you for sharing For me, I feel like the word random wouldn't even be one that I would feel super comfortable using. Because even if it's all psychology, which I probably subscribe to, but I definitely have some room for imagination open on myself for this one. um, I still think that, uh, you know, the psychology behind it is extremely unexplored. Like, there's so much we don't know or understand about dream science that it makes it one of the most fascinating topics for me. Oh, same. I'm so fascinated by it. If I really delved into the sciences, it is something that I would want to get really involved with. And, And it's because it's something so hard to research. You can't really get inside somebody's brain. Maybe one day science will find a way to kind of be able to like put something on somebody's head and see what they're dreaming, but well, not today. We're, we're actually, we, there are some studies. I, I do keep up on this stuff. Cause I'm really fascinated by it. Um, mm-hmm. and just to, I'm just going to be honest. I, I read this study on psychedelic drugs and they had somebody take some and go into an MRI machine. And they found out that what was happening is, so, you know how we experience our senses? Like mm-hmm. you have sight, smell the senses, you know, the ones, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and and they' they're, they're not completely separate, right? Like your your sense of uh, taste and smell are very linked specifically, right? Mm-hmm. So they found out that when you were on so these psychedelics, um, it's not very consistent, but your uh, the organization of your senses gets crossed and your different senses communicate with each other when they hadn't previously. So that gives the phenomenon of seeing sounds or tasting colors. Um, that's why that happens. And it makes it in, it introduced to the psychological model, and y'all can look this up. I'm not making this up. I read these in scientific journals, um, peer-reviewed scientific journals, which means it's definitely real. It doesn't mean it's real. You should still do your own research. Um, but uh, you know, in in what it introduced to the psychological model is that okay? These experiences people aren't ha- are having are not purely just hallucinations and non-real. Actually, they are experiencing reality just in a way that our regular order of senses aren't experiencing it. So theoretically, if, it's, if we're going to apply that logic to dreams, there are a lot of things that we might be experiencing in dreams that could be real that our awake consciousness just isn't designed to be able to experience for the sake of evolution. You know what I mean? Because if you saw a bunch of weird, trippy stuff going on all the time, it wouldn't be very productive towards surviving, you know? Lou, I'm going to miss this podcast. i know me too i'm sorry everyone i i probably shed the light a little too much on what i think in this podcast honestly but i'm really glad we've been doing it you know what even if i am not on the same page with you about everything i love hearing your thoughts and i think it's pretty awesome that you and i despite years of growing up with slightly different perspectives have been able to be so close and still have dynamic discussions and be comfortable disagreeing um, oh yeah well i mean I, and I i honestly i it's probably dangerous how comfortable i am talking to you on this show <laughs> well we've made it this far you That's know. true. I, hey, if anyone's been sticking along uh i appreciate it and i'm uh glad that you either enjoy my insanity or don't think that i'm insane either are great for me <laughs> yeah at the very least i find you entertaining yeah, um, th- yeah and, or just entertaining, whatever works, you know? As long as you're like, not offended we, by the things that I believe, because that would make me sad, because I'm actually not trying to offend anybody, even though it might right. sound I mean, like it's Socially, I think that we agree on probably most things, but, like, yeah. we can really get into the weeds with stuff, and I just find it fun. Yeah. And I think people should have conversations about their metaphysic beliefs because the world we're here, we don't know what's going on in the world. We are here with an extremely relative, you know, sense of existence. And we might as well have conversations and try to figure out what the hell we were born into, right? Absolutely. Like, it doesn't mean (laughs) that everybody's right and you don't have to be. Um, I'm sure I'm wrong about a lot of things. So W.E.B. Du Bois coined the term the sociological imagination, which... I love Du Bois, dude. That was another great reading. Absolutely. And the idea here is that you sort of enter every topic, every conversation with the possibility that you might be wrong. And maybe you have something to learn. Ooh, uh, and I like that. I, I subscribe to that greatly. I love listening Same. and and hearing people out. I mean, I have more patience for people like Lou than others, because Lou will always talk to me like we can always have a back and forth. And, you know, yeah. we can get heated with each other sometimes, but. You know, obviously there's sometimes when you talk to somebody and it's hard to have the sociological imagination because you realize that they are so completely dead set on everything they believe that there is no way the conversation would go anywhere, even if you tried. Um, But, you know, I think that between the two of us, just knowing each other so well, we've really been able to uh, get used to this. We would, when we were younger, just stay up for hours because we shared a bedroom, uh, just talking about different things. And asking questions and it's like, it's kind of cool that now all these years later, we've stayed so close and are able to have this podcast together where we get into some wild concepts. (laughs) I agree, man. Now, usually those would end up with you being like, okay, it's four o'clock in the morning i need to sleep and i'm like but we haven't figured out the truth of the universe yet and lou we're an hour and 39 minutes into this podcast recording i was gonna say but now we have external time devices to keep me honed in so let's wrap it up all right well we can't yet because first i gotta know who gets your character points oh yeah that's right i was giving two to dipper and actually i was giving one to the hunky guys that mabel dreamed up for the Sartreport okay, yeah. at the end. Okay, and Kraz together, yeah. okay. Yeah, because come on, that, that was, first of all, they were just born into the real world as a result of this experience, which is awesome. What a cool origin story. And yeah. then you come out here with some sick philosophy that gave us a great conversation. I gotta give you points for that. Also, everyone in this, in this episode was insane. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I have to agree with Dipper. At the end of the day, he was right, I think. And he was able to get out of that situation pretty smoothly. And yeah. I give a point to Mabel because this is Land. This is her episode. This is her world. And right. you know what? She maybe didn't make good choices, but I love Mabelland. And I love uh, being able to see this manifestation of her imagination in such a cool and colorful way. I mean, she arguably created two sentient human beings today, too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that that she did. Uh, I will also now get into the ciphers for this week as I stall and slowly pull them up. Do it. Uh, I'm going to go put socks on while you do that. Please continue. I can hear you. Great. I wonder what socks Lou is pulling on. Think about that. Uh, So we have one that decodes to when one gets trapped inside the past, Dreams can turn to nightmares fast. Ooh. Oh, I, I heard Lou go, ooh, from the I other room. Like Don't it. know if you heard like that. that. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that was I, I, I for for those who are wondering, I have these socks that say uh dragons and wizards and shit. And those are the ones that I'm putting on. Man, you know what? I am not gonna censor that just because it would lose the effect if Isn't I that cool? If people didn't know exactly what was on the socks again, at this point, I don't think anything needs to be censored anyway, but gone this far. (laughs) Uh, We have Kraz and and Zyler. Wait, have I had, okay, no, I I just usually say their names the other way and it threw me off. Uh, Kraz and Zyler went on to run the legal department at a major children's television network. That's awesome! I wonder if that's a joke, like a reference to something. Oh, I guess so. But- me, me? Hey, they have a background in philosophy. You know, everybody talks like mad sh- about uh, philosophers not being able to do anything with their degree. But I'd just like to point out that every philosophy major that I've ever met ends up doing something awesome because yeah. most people really love having somebody with the skills within human communication uh people said that sociology degree same thing it's a social science degree and i work directly in behavioral health in the on the research level so uh also not true bingo Uh, last one dippy fresh was a uh, cypher that was on one of the fences uh so fun stuff another fun one um Next up is going to be part 3. Again, the plans to cover part 3 and 4 separately because if we don't, it could end up being a 3-hour podcast or worse. Oh, wait, uh, was there a 3 and 4? The last I looked at my website there were only 3. I guess you're Well, right. the there next one is it's technically a 42-minute episode that has been split into on Disney Plus. So, it's up to you. If you want to go for a super episode to finish our show, we could just do it all together. What do you think? Let's do that because Yeah, cuz yeah, let's do just episode season. Yeah, let's do episode Yeah, because it's just episode 20. That should be the end. I mean, again, it is split up to 20 and 21 on Disney+, Plus, so we could do it either way. I I, I don't have it on Disney+. (laughs) Plus. Aha! All right, everybody. Super episode coming up. (laughs) I hope that you uh, have enjoyed this so far, because that's what we're doing. Uh, And then we'll figure out what we're going to do beyond the show after that. So make sure to listen up. How did they break it into two? Um, probably so that it was two more manageable episodes. I mean, There's... it even got its own name for the twenty-first episode of the series by doing that. So, really, I'm Again, like, I'm okay putting them together. Well, yeah. uh, the the version that I have, which I absolutely got through totally legit means, uh, <laughs> it, it it it's just a continuous episode. I I don't even know where I would break off. That was how it aired originally. Um, I, I'll, listen, y- you watch it. your illegal stuff and I'll tell you how it actually Wait, showed I up. when said I, watched it was to... I said it was legitimate. I said it was legitimate. I know you did. I, I am looking forward to watching both on Disney Plus legally. And then I will tell you uh, <laughs> how uh, how they did it in, you know, the, the spiffy way. All right, everybody. We've been <laughs> here far enough. This podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast <laughs> Network. You can listen to us there as well as other podcasts with shows and movies you can find us on youtube just a brother's cartoon theater uh links in the description for social media and the discord if you are here this far you should already be in the discord what are you doing and look five star itunes reviews they may not help that much longer but if this show is going to have more longevity past us then please leave them uh unless you take objection to the things that lou says then we don't want to hear from you Uh, thanks to tessa scarborough for the cover art We will see you next week. Happy sleuthing. Peace, everybody. Can I mean it? Peace.